You're listening to Dad's Diapers and Drinks. Three dads trying to lead their families well in a crazy world. So grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'll do a quickie. Okay, cool, Just cool, do cool, it. cool, cool, we'll cool, do a little quickie. Cool, 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 and my brother Jeff. Yeah. Hey. And it happens to be Mr. Nathan's birthday. It today. is. It's my, I, I didn't realize it was called this, but apparently when your birthday is on the same, like year is the same as the day you were golden born, birthday. it's your golden birthday. I've been calling it my prime birthday because I just think it sounds way cooler. But okay. I well, guess you, it's you don't golden. sound way cooler when uh, you say thank that. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. It's what I'm going for. <laughs> golden birthday. So it's my golden yeah. birthday. Yeah. So yeah. The little my golden birthday was also my 21st birthday and that's when I learned that that was a thing and it was like oh my gosh your golden birthday is your 21st you're gonna go crazy and I was like no I'm gonna go golfing that's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm gonna do yeah that's about it <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. mine would have been 19 so I don't know we didn't do anything <laughs> didn't do anything crazy for that the uh the boys a- a- Andy's is gonna be when he's six we'll throw a raging six-year-old boy <laughs> yeah. yeah Davis will be 14 so oh, nice nice uh, but you guys yeah. showed Maybe up I'll let him sip something I don't know <laughs> have some milk you can have Spiked soda only today <laughs> uh but no but you guys showed up to my party we had a little party at a bowling alley yup slash bar and we uh yeah it was real fun I have not bowled in like I genuinely can't tell you when I last bowled. It was yeah. probably eight years. I don't think I've bowled since I started working at Constant. So at least that long. It's, I can't think of the last time I did. Oh, we did. I do remember the last time I did. Okay. It was last fall. Okay. <laughs> well. Like literally fall of 2021. It was a company outing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, w- wives and or family and People were included. Mm-hmm. So the oldness was definitely coming in hard though, because after the second game, my elbow was like, You want to keep doing this? Are you sure you want to keep doing this? <laughs> it was not fun. <laughs> I, I don't believe now. how sore my fingers got. Oh, I know. My finger, my, I was like, I, I literally, like, my fingers hurt from doing this. I'm not used to this feeling. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it was good stuff. Nice. Speaking of the bowling alley and uh, the bar, what are we having today, Scott? What is on the birthday selection? Right before we came down here to record, I ran to the uh, Joe D's beverage down the nice. road, and I bought some Knob Creek smoked maple. Uh, what is this stuff? Bourbon. It's bourbon, of course. Duh. <laughs> Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Yeah, it that's, is. That's what I was looking for. Surprisingly good. It's delicious. It's it's a lot sweeter than like a traditional bourbon for sure, because I think the maple comes in nice and heavy mm-hmm. but it is very tasty and very smoky yes jeff what are you drinking over there i am drinking a french red it is a syrah and grenache noir i don't know mm-hmm. i've never had it before and i think i've disappointed myself again in discovering that this is like a 25 dollar bottle 
and it's really good. <laughs> and it's like, dang it. <laughs> I really like wine that's expensive. Ugh. This stuff was not cheap either. I feel like there mm. is a bracket. Like you have like the, the, the cheap bourbon or like the cheap wine or whatever. And it's like, okay, this is good. And then you go up a tier and you're like, oh, this is really good. But like above that, like the $150 bottle of wine, yeah, I'll never you're not going to be able to taste that. Like you might be able to be like, oh, this is a little smoother, or a little nicer. But like the problem is, is the jump from $10 to 25 is actually noticeable. <laughs> and yeah. you're like, oh, like I only want the 25, like the 18 year. <laughs> yeah, I know. Had. Like I love that the 18 year bottle of Glenmorangia. Yeah. I was like the first bottle of Glenmorangia I had was the 12 year. I was like, oh, I really like a scotch. This is so cool. I like a scotch. Mm-hmm. And then I got the 18. I was like, well, I can never buy the 12 again. Well, that sucks. <laughs> it's like it's like 20 more dollars for the 18. Dang it. <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously, though. Shout. But yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. I enjoy it. Thank, thank you for bringing this for my birthday. You're welcome. Thank you for bringing whiskey that we didn't end up drinking. Oh, yeah. That's going to be sucks. next. That's a little, <laughs> yeah. little surprise for next uh, week. You know. Yeah. We'll get there. We will. Absolutely. I'm trying to think of what happened this weekend. Oh, I went to see a comedian. Oh, really? Yeah, Friday night. Nice. I saw Andrew Schultz. um, Mm -hmm. And I got to be honest, uh, I was skeptical. I was afraid I wouldn't like him because when Kelsey's brother invited me to go, um, I learned who he was at that time. This Mm -hmm. was maybe a month ago. So I started watching his YouTube videos and clips of him and listening to his podcast. And I just wasn't really, I wasn't really gripped (laughs) by the comedy. (laughs) Didn't really think it was all that great um but he really surprised me in a very good way um it was very funny mm. so i had a good time uh it was decently raunchy um which is not my favorite stuff i just think that's like the joke has to be really freaking funny if you're gonna justify <laughs> going there yeah um but some it was pretty funny i gotta say but it's just there's a little bit of a cringe factor for me just talking about that stuff so openly and graphically Mm-hmm. It's just like you're in a room. You got a thousand mm-hmm. people here, and we're just all like jo- openly talking about this. It just feels very uncivilized. It's like an to awkward, me. yeah. It's like an awkward shared sexual experience with a bunch of strangers. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, like, I don't want to know that you're thinking about this as I'm thinking about this. That's yeah. just weird to me. Like this, mm-hmm. <laughs> this all stays in my head normally. <laughs> yeah. Oh my word. Yeah. So, yeah. The the first guy talked about masturbating and stuff oh, i was like okay God. there's like half the room is full of women uh this don't, is very weird don't me. need this at all Thank yeah you. <laughs> <laughs> so just mm-hmm. eh, i don't care for that type of material if yeah. you i think you can be funny without going that going there i mean it's but, the same thing when like comedians like really like start swearing like aggressively or like they just start inserting it it doesn't actually it's not used as like an inflammatory to like pronounce like increase the punchline in some degree mm-hmm. it's like okay if you're using it to be exaggeratory then cool but like if it's just as a adjective and a noun here and there you're like okay i've heard it enough you've, you've <laughs> yeah. ruined it <laughs> do you have do you have any other words at your disposal <laughs> i want to i want to hear your vocabulary come on <laughs> give it to me hit me words are your thing come on yeah. you got this <laughs> yeah um but yeah that was a good time good stuff man um and then uh yeah and your birthday and then not much else happened yeah no i i really had a relatively boring week which was nice I doing a lot of overtime. So you missed church on Sunday? Yeah, I did. I was, I actually, well, actually Sunday I had to do a project and I was doing, I did like seven hours of work on Sunday on. Oh, dang. On properties. So yeah, I did some maintenance, how maintenance. Nice. So yeah, that was the thing. 
Cool. Cool. Very cool, cool. fun. We've been having a, on top of basically my weekend plans was like going to Scott's house to record some drums and then oh, going yeah. to Nate's house we did for that. his birthday party. So that my weekend was the same as theirs because we we're basically together this weekend. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that we've been doing is we've been planning a bunch of huge home remodel stuff mm-hmm. that we're doing. So we got a, we got a loan to do a bunch of work on our house. So we're trying to email people and get pricing and get everything figured out for a summer of very large projects. Yeah. So it's kind of stressful, but you're like, you know, at some point I knew I was going to do this. So I'm putting in like a new driveway and I'm tearing out my whole backyard and putting Oof. in a new deck and getting rid of our fence and doing new landscaping and putting a shed in and all this stuff. That's like, okay, all the things that were on the list, mm-hmm. we're finally just going to do it. So yeah, kind of crazy. Wow. More stressful. It's, it's the biggest like project I've ever been a part of the most money I'll ever spend in a day in a lot. Probably a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm like planning $17,000 of expense. It's oh. like, oh my gosh. It's just, wow. All right. That's that terrifying. Yeah. Jeez. I remember. Driveways are expensive, man. Yeah. I paid off my student loans in one lump sum because I sold, sold my house after getting married and was able to pay off my loans with the earnings from that. And it mm-hmm. was like, Never seen this much money in my bank account before. And then I've also never seen that much money leave my bank account before. And it and all happened. And then also nothing happened after yeah, that. Yeah, it was a net zero. <laughs> it's not like a new car was in your driveway or anything. No. You're like You're like, I got a motorcycle or something like that. No, it's just less dead. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, less dead. <laughs> yeah, that's all it was. Um, felt pretty good, but. Oh, yeah. Anywho, uh, we'll do less of the chit chat this time. Absolutely. Last week we were a little. We're pretty heavy, heavy on that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Christian, if you're listening this week, here we go. We're on the topic now. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he said he listened last week, but he didn't get through all of our banter. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, I mean, it was like 30 minutes of banter. I was. Give it to him. We hadn't talked in a very long time. Yeah. Anyway, this week we're talking about spoiling our kids. Mm. Um, so. I, again, I, it's tough for me to define what that is when my kid's only one year old. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I feel like Kelsey maybe spoils him. I don't know. She, bu- she buys him a lot of stuff, a lot of toys <laughs> and, uh, he uses them once and doesn't mm-hmm. like them or I don't know. It's important to keep a variety of things at his disposal so that he can, you know, regain interest in a lot of random things. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. Yeah, I feel it's, like this, it's hard to this say is that mostly going to be a theoretical conversation. Yeah, we, because <laughs> even with even with the two and a half year old now, mm-hmm. it's like the only thing I can say about spoiling her is spoiling her is that we let her watch cartoons, and yeah, I I heavily debate the amount of cartoons that we let her watch mm-hmm. internally all the time, and then I go at the same time, like. Uh, we we just don't we just literally don't know what else to do with her. Mm. She's such a menace to <laughs> deal with that being able to go. All right, all right. Do you want to go watch Encanto again? Okay, cool. <laughs> you just go put on Encanto, and then she doesn't bother you for an hour, and you're like, it's yeah. I don't know well, how that's... bad is that. Is it the fourth time she's watched it this week? Yes. Mm-hmm. Was it the best hour of my week? Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just, well, that's, I don't know what to do. That is the constant battle is uh, mm-hmm. you're trying to keep the peace, which may actually be bad for your kid 
mm-hmm. because in order to keep the peace, you have to let them do what they want to do. Yeah. And it's often yeah. not a healthy thing. So I will allow certain levels of danger <laughs> for Davis just so that Start. I don't have to deal with him screaming when I shut the baby gate or, yeah. um, it's, yeah, that's the constant balance, but mm-hmm. it's part of the exercise of saying no to your kid mm-hmm. and them getting used to that and being okay with it. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think creates a spoiled kid? Like, I mean, we all knew spoiled kids growing up. I mean, you knew them in your school. I knew a whole slew of spoiled kids. Like, what do you think actually like creates that environment? Cause I don't think it's exclusively kids that have a lot or can do whatever they want. Because I know that there, I had a lot of friends that were quite wealthy, but also were not spoiled. I would have never been like, oh, Ian, you're so freaking spoiled. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, something along the lines of, oh, sleep, sleep mode zone. Um, <laughs> that happened last week, too. Every night at 830, my sleep mode on my phone and my watch and my Mac engages mm. and I don't get notifications. So that just popped up on the screen. So you saw that. That was cool. Um, uh, I was going to say words, and then I let that distract me. It's okay. Um, (laughs) Oh, uh, I think spoiling a kid is when you don't instill any amount of work ethic in them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not necessarily inundating them with gifts all the time or giving them what they want all the time. Like, you can do that and still make them earn some things as well Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. i think spoiled people have a general sense of entitlement Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot of that these days in the younger generation especially Um, and we've quoted this many times but the hard times create strong people strong people create good times good times create weak people weak people create hard times Mm -hmm. Um, we just grew up in a generation that didn't really have to work for much Um, yeah we grew up in a strong economy. Um, we haven't really dealt with any wars, at least not on the home front. Mm-hmm. Stuff that's felt very distant from us over in Afghanistan or wherever. Um, and life's been really easy. And I've said this on the podcast multiple times too, where we've life has become so good in America that we've had to it, pretty much invent our own problems or mm-hmm. make make a much bigger deal out of things than they really are or it, amplify issues beyond what where they should be. Um, so I, I feel like that's all due to a, a general, like a generational sense of entitlement or a generational sense of um, being spoiled. Um, just mm. being brought up with such privilege that we're so blind to what we have. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, we, we don't, we don't want to work very hard. At least our, our younger generation, our millennial generation. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think about the spoiled kids that I've, known throughout both school and like working in the youth group mm-hmm. and i i agree it's not like it's just economic status yeah though i know people like i know a couple of the more you know i would say i want to say upper class because we live in freaking well i live you guys moved out but we grew up on the east side of cleveland where almost freaking everybody is technically upper class yeah mm-hmm. bar than but because of the numbers but you know like you have families where yeah. the you know median income is huge and they have beautiful homes and it's like i i knew a friend in high school who was super wealthy family awesome guy super down to earth you would Mm -hmm. have never known that he was like a super rich guy until he invited you to his house and you went 
holy crap, this is where you live? Like, yeah. I've taken pictures of this house on the road as I drove by and was like, who the frick lives there? It's you? Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I had no clue. So, like, I've had that experience and I've had, oh, wait, did you think that, like, you know, oh, you didn't realize that you'd have to work to mm-hmm. do this? Is that because you come from a very successful family? So I've had, I've had both experiences. Yeah. And I, I agree. I don't really know what it is. Like, you can't, I, I don't know what it is in people that causes that. Yeah, like, it, it's baffling to me that it, it seems like very similar environments can create such such disparate desperate outcomes. Disparate, and yeah. yeah. Is it disparate? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the I think you kind of were getting extremely close to it, Scott, and I think you definitely said it is a matter of work ethic. I think is definitely connected to it, but I think even more influential in that is almost an attitude of gratitude. <laughs> I hate that. I'm so sorry, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> That's such a church group thing. Yeah. That's so no, like I middle school. All right, we're going to my... have an attitude of gratitude. Have an attitude of gratitude. I just threw up in my mouth but, a little bit. Like, I think that's really where it comes down to. Because if you think about, like, I was even just, just in simple things, like having to fix these Airbnbs. There's people that just, you know, they just trash these places and they don't care. And they're just doing their own thing. And it's like, it really comes down. It's like, oh, people just don't care about stuff that's not theirs. It's like, well, why do they only care about stuff that's theirs? Because they had to work for it. You know, they, I, like my, I don't know, like a nice pair of shoes that I saved up some money to buy. It's like, those are not the shoes I'm going to go out and mow the lawn in. The ones that I got for free or like for five bucks at Goodwill, let's go mudding by all means. (laughs) Come on, let's go. I don't even care. Whatever. I'll just run through some puddles, tear them up. Doesn't fine. Get some paint on them. You know, it's like, I don't have a sense of value or gratitude for that thing because A, I didn't work for it and B, it wasn't valuable. And so like developing that sense of gratitude in your kids, I just think is so influential beyond many things that is going to prevent them from being spoiled. Because even if you have a lot, like there's going to be people that have a lot that are entitled and there's people that are even going to have not that much that are entitled. But I don't think the inverse is also true simultaneously. And so you can't use wealth as the like determining factor. Like wealthy kids are all spoiled like because that's obviously not true. There has to be a uh, consistent yeah. factor. Well, there was. A, I think uh, it's more common, but it's not an absolute. Well, I mean, even Jesus said it's easier yeah. for a rich man to get through an yeah. eye of a needle than it is for them to get into the heaven or the kingdom e- of heaven. Well, it's easier for a camel to get through camel, the eye of a needle than a rich man to get to heaven. That one, you yes. did it. Thank you. It's Thank easier you, for a rich Fix man me. to get through the camel than the <laughs> eye of the needle <laughs> to I, heaven. The camel's eye. It's easy for the, the eye <laughs> to get um, through the camel. <laughs> so I finished listening to that uh, Tim Pool. IRL interview with, yeah, Jer- with Jeremy, with Jeremy Boring, Boring mm-hmm. which uh, I am a Jeremy's Razor subscriber. Now, by the way, interesting. I'll have uh, to look that up. You need? Have you seen the commercial? No, oh, I've got to. We're, as soon as it sends, you got to watch watching that. <laughs> oh, best commercial ever! If, if, okay. you're, if you're listening and you haven't heard, uh, if you ha- and you haven't seen the Jeremy's Razor's commercial, I highly recommend going and looking it up. I am very and excited. Then, now. If you need, if you're a guy who buys razors, may as well. I, from them. Yeah, I don't even care if it's not a good razor. I'm, I'm not. I'm <laughs> it's not, not about the razor. <laughs> it's not about the razor. Um, anyway, um, in in this interview with Jeremy Boring, mm-hmm. Tim Pool, he quoted. He was quoting somebody else, um, but it was like, if you took away the wealth of all the wealthy people, 
those same people would become wealthy again. Mm-hmm. Or if uh, it was a, if you took all the wealth from the wealthy people and gave it to the poor people, the poor people would squander it, and the wealthy people would find a way to become wealthy again mm-hmm. because yeah. it's a skill. Like, and that's the same thing with uh, um, these kids growing up with money. That doesn't guarantee that they're always going to have money. Like, they mm-hmm. need to be taught how to earn it. <laughs> need mm-hmm. to be taught yeah. some level of a work ethic to be able to maintain that level of managing your money. Mm-hmm. Money doesn't grow on trees. It's very easy to lose it. Um, There's some stat about like every third generation, all the economic status stuff kind of resets. Mm-hmm. Or like if, you're, if your grandfather was super successful and your dad was successful, you might be less successful, but your kids probably won't be. Like there's a certain trend of like, if you come from a wealthy family, the gen- every generation gets a little bit worse and worse and worse about being wealthy, mm-hmm. and, then <laughs> and then someone has flip. to, someone has to flip it and climb back yeah. up. It's just like if you if you study the trends of like family wealth over the past couple centuries, it fluctuates like this pretty consistently, which is mm-hmm. odd. But at the same time, again, it doesn't mean that I don't know. It's probably more cultural than like anything else. It's like yeah, well, it just depends on the home you were in and what your what values you you gained. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yup. Anyway. So yeah. All that to say. Uh <laughs> want to instill a, a work ethic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> um well, what else do we want to talk about? <laughs> um sorry, this is like our first dead zone in like forty podcasts, okay? <laughs> um <laughs> I think honestly, the fact that we were all hanging out this weekend, I already said like a lot to you guys like a day ago. (laughs) Yeah. What what have I not Uh, talked with you about in the past hour? I don't know. (laughs) Um, No, I'm I'm looking at what you have written down here, Scott, and it's interesting you wrote discipline down because I think I think discipline is almost more important from a sense as a parent than it would be even just to like instill discipline in your kids. Cause like, I don't know if your kids, like making your kids more disciplined is going to make them less spoiled. But I think you being more disciplined in how you treat your kids is going to make them less spoiled. Like this is a very parent first problem. Like how you train your kids is going to have more effect, I think, than the kid themselves. The first thing that I thought of when you said that was um, the like follow through on or the the actions have consequences every time mm-hmm. kind of idea, which I think is probably the thing that attributes most to spoiling. Mm-hmm. Like what I'm, now I'm thinking about this more like well, you, you see the kid that does something that you know is wrong and doesn't get punished for it. Mm-hmm. And you go, if you keep doing that, this will be a spoiled kid. Mm-hmm. It really, I think that's a pretty key thing of like, when your child misbehaves, you punish them. And again, it's not like it has to be some like unbelievably ridiculous punishment, but there must be punishment for bad action. And if you if bad action never gets punished, you eventually get a kid or a young adult who they think the rules don't apply to them. They think mm-hmm. the rules don't apply to them. So I think that that to me is what I'm kind of landing on is like yeah. when, with discipline of like the the point of the discipline is if you don't discipline wrong action then you will spoil your kids. And that's mm-hmm. probably the biggest thing. It's not so much about giving them stuff per se. Yeah. I'm certain there's some aspect of like, I mean, we, we joke about it that I keep threatening to go into the playroom we have with a garbage bag and just start filling it with stuff. 
because there's so many freaking toys in there. They end up mm-hmm. in my house everywhere. I'm like, she doesn't need this many dang toys. <laughs> this is not, there's no way she needs this much stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. And just like, I'm going to throw it all away. <clears throat> but I don't think that that's the cause of many problems. The fact that she mm-hmm. has four different choo-choo trains and 11 different cooking utensils that she plays with and makes dinner with us. Mm-hmm. With, I don't think that's that big a deal. I think it's more that when she's bad, she has to get a she has to be disciplined for it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as long as that lesson is clear, the material stuff isn't not isn't as important. Yeah, right. Well, I think equally as important as disciplining bad behavior is rewarding good behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which you guys try to do with the brownie. Uh, <laughs> with, you guys are potty training Kelly right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, all good stuff. <laughs> so. We were just at our parents' house yesterday, mm-hmm. and uh, Kelly needed to go potty, so Jeff went with her. And the rule was, you can't have a brownie until you go potty. And, and then we uh, turn around, and Grandma's well, over there yes. giving her a brownie. Our oh mother <laughs> already gave her a brownie. Well, she's like, asking for a that, brownie. That was our bargaining chip. You've ruined it. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> Handing her aces but, but, under yeah. the table. Yeah. Our, our thing at home is we just have some M&M's. We have a bag of M&M's up in the cabinet. Mm-hmm. And whenever Kelly goes to the bathroom, we give her M&M's. Mm-hmm. So she'll be like, she has the routine down. She's like, take pants off, go potty, wipe, flush, M&M's. And she just <laughs> she screams. That. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. You're going to like Pavlovian She goes through her little response. checklist. <laughs> You're going to like Pavlovian response, Kelly. She's going to start salivating every time she has to go to the bathroom. Like, I need an M&M. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So my... <laughs> My, my brother and sister-in-law, they called them poo-poo pops, and they gave them little dum-dums whenever they went to the bathroom. Oh, that's great. So they said, you want your poo-poo pop? And then they, they, the kids run to the bathroom. That's it was hilarious. <laughs> you can just, like, instill immediate need, need to go to the bathroom, like, activate their bladder. Poo-poo pop? That's right. <laughs> just immediately run. Oh, my It word. really is, like, you know, the Freudian social conditioning of dogs. Mm-hmm. And you literally do it to your kids to get into potty train. It's kind of freaky it works well also something i just thought about is that the interesting thing about spoiled kids or spoiled people in general is it's uniquely like psychological and emotional at its basis but it's affected by the physical world so much and like oh i just have so much i just have whatever i want essentially it's that total entitlement but simultaneously it almost is entirely exists on like a psychological plane like the stuff alone is not going to cause someone like if if scott was given a corvette tomorrow by one of his good friends he's like yeah i want a whole bunch of money so i wanted to buy you a corvette he's not going to suddenly become a giant spoiled butt face it's just not going to happen because (laughs) are you thinking that corvette drivers are giant spoiled butt faces yeah (laughs) But like it's it's really a heart issue fundamentally. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I didn't really leave that very open ended. That's all right. Well, I was I was trying to think of a I thought of a similar scenario, but I was trying to think of how to word it. Um. I don't accept big gifts very well. Mm-hmm. Um, an example. I hope this doesn't embarrass our father, <laughs> but I'm gonna say <laughs> we had for. So my, our dad raced cars mm-hmm. the whole time Jeff and I were growing up and we always loved going to the racetrack on the weekends and we would travel to different states and we'd camp out and it would be a big thing. Um, 
and we'd watch dad race. Um, we would watch all these other groups race that drove um, much different cars. And there's such a huge variety of different race cars that would go around the track and you get to watch all of them. And mm-hmm. um, those were really fun times. And we'd always been talking about me racing someday with dad. And then uh, I went off to college or our dad stopped racing um, my freshman year of high school because the economy uh, that was 2007, 2008, my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. And the economy went in the dumpster and my dad sold his race car. Um, so we went through all of my high school years and all of my college years without him racing at all. Mm-hmm. And for a while, I, I really missed it. But then, you know, life went on and I went through college and I didn't really, I, I kind of realized, you know, I don't really... I don't think I need to race. I don't think that's a big desire of mine anymore. Mm-hmm. But and then I graduated, and as a graduation present, he gifted me a race car, <laughs> <laughs> and it was I was <laughs> really uncomfortable mm-hmm. with that. Um, it was a total surprise. I did not know he was doing that, um, and yeah, I it it was awkward. We I drove it a couple times. We took it to an autocross event. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, that was fun. That was, it was fun. And then we, we took it to a track day um, at, out at Nelson Ledges. Oh, yeah, it's the one at Nelson Ledges, yeah. Yeah, so we, I drove it a few times. But other than that, it just it, racing is a very expensive hobby to get into, and I just wasn't very driven mm-hmm. to do it. Like, get, getting the race car is a giant hurdle to get over. So, like, once we had the car, I was like, all right, it's not that much more we need to do because mm-hmm. um, it was a fully functioning car. We didn't have to really do anything to it. Mm-hmm. Um. So, um, but then I don't know, I just, it kind of sat in the driveway for a long time. It wasn't getting used and we weren't, I don't know, life got busy and, um, eventually we decided to sell the car and I didn't Mm -hmm. end up, didn't end up becoming a, becoming a race car driver. Mm -hmm. All that to say, um, I think our parents did a good job of instilling a work ethic in me and not a sense of entitlements or, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's an issue where like, I, it's not just big gifts I don't accept well. It's kind of like any gift because mm-hmm. I I want to earn everything that I have. And I feel like if I'm given anything freely, it's like, I don't know. It just, it feels weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> so especially <laughs> being given a giant gift like that mm-hmm. was like, uh, this is so weird. I don't know what to do. So. It's funny to me that you didn't view your graduating college as having earned a gift because well, to most people, that seems like, well, you did earn it. You graduated with a degree in electrical engineering from a good college. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you earned it. Yeah. But it's, fun- it's funny for me to hear from you now, because obviously I know this story, and I've never really heard you talk about this particularly, that you felt like you hadn't earned it. Because I just thought, from my perspective, it was just that you weren't particularly well, interested in that once you were finally at the point where you could race, it was like, okay... This is a really big commitment. It's expensive. It's a lot of time. I need a lot more equipment. I need to be, I need to like working on cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just don't think I'm into it. And yeah. then you sold it. And I was like, all right, you know, tried cool net gain. Really? I think you sold, I think you sold the car more for the what dad paid for it. So it wasn't like it was a big yeah, loss. It wasn't a big, I don't think it was a big deal in the long run, but um, I, I just had the thought, you know, it was my entire high school and college years where dad wasn't racing. And mm-hmm. that's when we started golfing a lot. Oh yeah. So yeah. I think given what happened in college with um, 
our spring breaks, we'd go on these golf trips. Oh, um, yeah. Golf just became the thing. And I don't know, racing wasn't on totally. my radar anymore. Because mm-hmm. um, when you're working full time and you only have the weekends to do what you want to do, it's like, I don't want to go spend a weekend like at a racetrack. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot. Of, it's a huge effort. You got to camp out. It's uncomfortable. Um, especially, well, we weren't wealthy enough to have a really nice camper or a motorhome. So it would be tent camping or something, mm-hmm. or we could have used uh, our old RV or whatever. Um, now, uh, we do have a very old RV. My parents mm-hmm. do. Um, needs it's a, completely gutted needs currently because it, it got all moldy. Um, so nasty. Yeah, it was just uh, just didn't. It was the, I lost the desire to race. Is mm-hmm. the moral of the story? But I was gifted a gift, a, a very big gift, um, well, which was extremely generous of Dad. Like I don't, I, I thought the his the heart behind it was amazing and i and that that's great <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's still like i was in this awkward position where like i just lost the desire to do it mm-hmm. so it's like well we have this car now and mm-hmm. now i'm spending money getting new seat belts put into it and buying a racing helmet and like mm-hmm. this just feels so weird because i don't think i want to do this yeah <laughs> so it's also i feel like it's difficult when especially when it's like it's obviously was a passion of your dad for him to do it as long as, and you're like, I want to have the same passion as you dad, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but obviously golf was definitely a passion that you absorbed from him at, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's definitely why you leaned that way. Obviously for sure. Yeah. You felt it a lot yeah. more. And I golfed. It was not necessarily something I got from him. It might've been something he got from me. I don't know. Cause I golfed during, I was on the high school golf team. Mm-hmm. And he never golfed in high school. I I was the like I was the main golfer. So I I, I don't know. After high school, yeah, you you made me. You convinced me to join the golf team because I played soccer, and then I joined the golf team once you were on the golf team because I thought it looked better. Hmm. Yeah, it more fun. So golf kind of became the sport that I played after high school because all the other sports are really difficult to do unless you're the member of a community center or a YMCA or I don't know. You can't play basketball by yourself very well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but golf. You can my, just my joke is always with baseball. They're like, "What are you gonna do? You're gonna get your 17 friends together and, and go play a, <laughs> yeah. a baseball game? Like, it's just you'll never do it again." Yeah, uh, seriously. Yeah, you can um, join a softball league or something, but I know, and I can't do softball league. Yeah, uh, Ellen was in one when we were first dating. And she was like, "Oh, you should come play," and I was like, "I'll come watch a game." And I, I played in an uh, IM softball league at Kent. Yeah, and it was me and a bunch of baseball guys, and we were undefeated, and we scored like twenty five runs a game. And then the other team quit. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. mercy rule! It turns out when you give a bunch of like really good baseball players a softball pitch, we just in. hit home runs. <laughs> yeah, and then we lined up because it was co-ed, so we were like we lined up three girls, and then one of the guys who knows how to play baseball. So I was like, all right, on base, on base, on base, grand slam, on base, on base, on base, grand (laughs) slam. We just did it like four times in a row. Oh, my word. I can't do this, man. I'm an actual baseball player. I can't play softball. I can't take it this chill. I will just hit this ball as hard as I can, and I'll send it to right field. So, yeah. Oh, my word. Well, related kind of to what you were talking about, Scott, um, for me, it's really interesting, this whole concept as a whole, because, I mean... I grew up as a missionary kid. Like I was very aware at a young age that part of the finances that came into the home, if not almost all of it was people being generous enough to give to us to be able to live essentially like churches and different people and organizations like that was, that was part of my life. So 
I mean, the one distinct memory I have of something like that is like, we like didn't really like buy cars. Like that wasn't a thing. So we had, you know, different cars that were part of different ministry organizations and stuff, but our van was dying and we were on this trip down to South Carolina to see our family. And we stopped by this one friend's house and they basically decided to give us their car. And I remember like being with my dad, my dad's like, <laughs> like he's like doing all this. He's kept doing this thing where he'd like hold his arm like this. And I'm like, dad, are you okay, man? Like <laughs> what what's going doing? on? <laughs> he's like, they, they gave us the car. Like what? They decided to give us the car. And I was like, whoa. And it like really like blew me away. And so it's like, I don't know if it's entirely like, oh, I just like had really great parents and I was in a perfect environment to not become a spoiled kid. It's like, oh, I didn't have much of things. So I wasn't a spoiled kid. But I think it's just the fact that kind of what I was talking about. It's like, there was no way to live, but with a spirit of gratitude because we didn't right. have everything. Like we actually had to just be like, we are going to get what the Lord provides for us. And that's what we have. Right. And so that's like a very unique place to be. And it's also very interesting because as I got older, you know, we weren't as directly involved in ministry that required going away. So we were very localized. So then my dad had more like regular jobs as well as doing ministry. So then things started to shift. And then I very much went on a very <clears throat> traditional career path of like going yeah. to college and then getting a job and earning money. And so it's very interesting because I feel like I've really seen the whole spectrum of what can yeah. be per se. Um, and so I don't know the, that's the other aspect is that I feel like the thing that's really impacted me the most is being able to like go on mission trips and like, even the time that I got True, to go man. with my family to Haiti and be like, holy cow, people legitimately live on yeah. like a buck. This is what it's like, like to a not legitimate have dollar. Yeah. Like this is actually yeah. the bottom. Yeah. I I have no concept this doesn't even come close the bottom is like so much farther below than what i could have ever imagined yeah and it's like and i complain that i don't have cell service and i can't figure out how to get to my restaurant where i'm going to order food that someone's going to make for me <laughs> i know we were trying to and order chipotle like, the other day and there wasn't any online ordering we're like what the heck we have to go wait in line how dare you <laughs> you know and you realize first world problems it's so easy to like you obviously, you know, these like legitimately spoiled people and these legitimately spoiled kids that you grew up with. And it's like, how can you have this attitude? And then you realize, oh, wait, I'm kind of spoiled. And you yeah. have to check yourself a little bit. It's, yeah, it requires self-awareness to mm -hmm. diagnose that in yourself. But yeah, we had the same thing. We went to Jamaica my senior year of high school. And we were in this little village and we were building a house for somebody who didn't have a house. Mm -hmm. And it was this very small structure maybe like 10 feet by 12 feet or something. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't built by a company. It was built by the people in the town, in the village. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Plus us high school kids with a couple of leaders who are just there to help. Mm -hmm. um, I had the same experience in the Dominican Republic where we had a missionary family that was connected to a missionary family that we supported in the DR and he needed a house built because his had like fallen down. I think it's the technical term because it's not, again, it's not like it's, Oh my gosh, my house burned down. It's like, nah, there was a storm and my house fell over. So I need a new one <sighs> because that's the quality of the building, man. So we, we were doing the same, we were doing the similar. I, I agree though. When you see that stuff again, I don't know how to bring that experience 
home into my kids other than telling the story of it and mm. and eventually one day bringing them to places like this yeah yeah but to say like one of the phrases that we heard when we were in the dr is someone asked us what else have we what other trips have we done and we said oh we've gone to like some of the more poor areas in america and he just laughed and he's like oh like there's poor americans <laughs> what's well, yeah <laughs> no absolutely Technically, yes but not to your standards. I mean, our mm-hmm. poor Americans live better than you do. And they're and still like, our poor Americans are obese. Yeah. So he was just like, we said, oh yeah, we've helped out some people in like some poor areas of like states near us. And they just, they literally were like laughing at the idea that there's some poor American somewhere. Like you guys are so, you have no idea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, oh, it's bizarre. And that's why I, I look at our culture. And I'm like, what are we complaining about? <laughs> no, like I, I can't call you the, by the right pronoun. Like, do you understand yeah. how privileged you are to even be able to complain about that? Mm. Yeah, so that's you're gonna type in your thousand dollar phone. Yeah, on the internet yeah. you didn't build in the house that your parents bought and you live in mm-hmm. about yeah. how upset you are about a thing. It's like, dude, your problems are so small. Well, like, yeah, imagine uh, the impact that it would have on like all of the U.S. if they were truly aware of what like legitimate poverty is and like yeah just just to have that perspective to realize if you could like instill that in people and i mean obviously you have to be self-aware fundamentally you have to still look at it and go instead of going yeah that sucks you have to be going like man i am so grateful that that's not me (laughs) like wow thank you (laughs) like by no by no effort of your own exactly just were born here yeah i don't know if this statistic is correct but I, I mean, this might be a few years out of, out of date, but I think the U.S. population is about 6% of the world population. What, 350 million out of 8 billion now? Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. you could do that math pretty quick. Um, but, and whatever, regardless, I was about to pull my phone out and do it. You're fine. But <laughs> it's going to take too long. Um, just the, the odds that you were born here mm-hmm. <laughs> are very low. Um, just it's You're so lucky to have been born in America. Yeah. I'm not saying America's flawless, but certainly you should understand that life is pretty good <laughs> mm-hmm. compared to anywhere else. Like I, w- I would hate to be a Ukrainian right now. Um, I'd hate to be yeah. living in the Middle East. I'd hate to be living in China, North Korea, literally anywhere in Africa, you name it. <laughs> like the world <laughs> is messed up and you live in America, mm-hmm. which is messed up, but probably the least messed up. I mean, on the planet, it certainly isn't perfect, but we have a lot to be thankful for. hundred percent. Yes, we do. Well, I don't know if either of you have anything else to say, but I thought I would bring it home with Jordan Peterson. Yes, of course. (laughs) He has to make his appearance. His classic quote that I think perfectly falls with spoiling your kids, which is don't let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. Hmm, And I think that is very impactful. Uh, he his the one of the arguments he made about that one of his lectures I listened to was like he said imagine if your kid has a bedtime routine that is very frustrating to you mm-hmm. or they do something consistently every day that makes you angry and you just live with that you'll be angry at your kid for one hour a day for ten years mm-hmm. what do you think that does to your relationship with your kid over ten years mm-hmm. like you need to solve problems yeah. you need to stop like when things are wrong you need to stop them and. It's your duty as a parent to teach your kid those things because you're supposed to train them for social situations. So you're going to train them incorrectly and then they're going to go out and try and make friends 
And then they're not going to be able to make friends because people dislike them because they're mean, condescending, self-righteous, you name it. All the things that make a spoiled kid where you're like, oh, wait, I don't want to hang out with you. Or people will, mm-hmm. will only put up with you because you had money. Like there's the rich kids that were like, oh, people hung out with them even though they were giant dicks. And because it they was had purely because they had tub. a pool and a hot tub yeah. and a basketball court. And, Friends of oh, opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. And then they get reinforced of that by thinking, oh, yes, I'm great. And it just doubles down on already yes. whatever is Inf- making them. inflates their ego. It reinforces the idea that money is what earns you friends and mm-hmm. not being a good person, just having things. <laughs> so that's all you need. It's the only valuable thing is just having things. Right. But is it really? Yeah. yeah. Really? I'm just trying to imagine. That's like, how you end up with Trump, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, it is. <laughs> it is. You done got trumped. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my word. Uh, I was just going to say, like, just just trying to imagine, like, if Kelly had some habit of being on social media for, like, she, like, just lays in bed and is on social media, and you just look at that every day and go, I hate that she does that. Mm-hmm. And then you just, like, don't do anything about it. It's like, that's the stuff where, like, yeah. you can't, like, you got to do something about those type of situations where you, you see bad behavior happening and you just leave it like it is. Yeah. You just ignore it. That's not yeah. That that's who end up with a kid who doesn't yeah. know how to function in society. Yeah. But anyway. Yep. Um, <laughs> we're we're I, wrapping I, this one up. I have seized your glass. This one is sh- <laughs> shorter and hopefully a little sweeter. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it certainly was. Well, the for bourbon me. was sweeter. The bourbon certainly was, was sweeter. Delicious. I cannot wait to drink more of it. <laughs> which <laughs> is a scary thing to say. Um, Alcohol, but yeah. alcohol. Follow us on the socials. Jeff has been doing nice on the Twitter. You had a. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to actually post things. Been yeah, tweeting it up. Get... On the tweetster. I, I tweeted something today. <laughs> saw that. Dave, you saw that? Yeah. What did hilarious. Dave Rubin say? It was tweeted. I tweet. I feel like I feel like that should be the past tense. <laughs> I, in fact, I posted a tweet. <laughs> I tweet. No, it's only past tense. Instead of tweeted, uh, you say tweet. I tweet. I left a tweet. Uh, Dave Rubin said, uh, what did I miss? Did anyone punch anyone on live TV last night or something? (laughs) And I was like, Dave, you're not going to believe this. We (laughs) have. That was, Uh, I I feel like we could like minorly address that. That is one of the craziest. I think like I have not seen a single person that utterly shocked on live television. Well, such a long time. So today's March 28th. The debate right now is that it, it was it staged or was it, it legit? It might have been. I don't know. So the Oscars were last night, March 27th, 2022. And Will Smith, so Chris Rock is the host, was the host, and he was making a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith's short hair. Um, mm. Turns out she has alopecia, which became publicly known like five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Not sure if Chris Rock was aware of that, but he made a joke about her starring in G.I. Jane 2. Um, yes, so because she has literally because, because she just has short hair. She has short. Her head is almost shaved looking, mm-hmm. um, like a which is kind of a joke and some bad taste, I think. Absolutely, um, but but Will Smith was initially the camera was on him when the punchline was delivered, and he was laughing at it. Yeah, and then you could see Jada in the background, not happy, mm-hmm. and then Will Smith just walks on stage and smacks Chris Rock in the face. <laughs> but the way Will Smith performed the hit it looked like 
how a comedic actor would hit somebody. It, it was not. It looked like a TV slap. It looked like a TV slap. It was not. It was very telegraphed. I'll say that much. It was. And Chris Rock did nothing to defend himself. It was almost like he knew it was coming. He was. His hands were like, entirely possible. Yeah. So there's no like pressing charges and anything. Like they, he already said like, oh no, no, I'm not going to press charges on Will Smith for that. And it's like, mm-hmm. eh, yeah, all right. And instinctually, I, mean, I was like, yeah, Will Smith, go defend your wife. But then I remembered, wait, they have an open relationship. He allows his wife to have sex with other, other men. But then he goes up and defends her. I'm like, I'm so confused about what marriage means to you. I know. What, what, so are, you, what are you defending? Her ability to keep sleeping with other people? Or I have no idea. It's all backwards. The best post was by Matt Walsh. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure said, it was. Yeah, well, I want to get the actual phrase. Let me try to look it up real quick. Uh, it was such a banger. Oh, no. he was. It was something along the lines of like, I'm sure that uh, Jada's boyfriend is very thankful to Will Smith for defending his girl, his girlfriend's dignity on the Oscars. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Oh, it's cold. It's it was like, <laughs> love. Oh my oh, gosh, God. man. <laughs> yeah. Good night. Hey, well, guess what? We just bookended uh, it. You know, too much chatting at the beginning. Stay for the end. That's right. We got more for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, another another little housekeeping thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of you, we, so our audience size is around 20 people right now. We hear from a lot of you mm-hmm. firsthand, um, which is fun. Um, a lot of you have expressed interest in coming on the pod, and we are interested in having more people on the pod. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to work on doing that, having yes. more guests on here, um, just just hanging out, chatting about being dads. Absolutely. So I think that'll be fun. Be a nice change of it. pace. So um, yeah, we'll figure that out. But just wanted to th- say that. So yeah, like I said, follow us on the socials. Um, if you're not watching on YouTube, it may be a better experience for you. If you like how we look, I don't know. Maybe you prefer to just hear our voices. I feel like we sound decent. Um, I get compliments on the production quality. If our content sucks, uh, at least the production quality is there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we may sound really good while we're failing. <laughs> yeah. We fail great. <laughs> we fail great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all. So we got for this week. We'll talk at you next week. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.